Well, good morning, Anthem Camarillo Church. Uh, for those who maybe haven't been around, uh, or you've maybe you've missed a couple of weeks, we are in a three-week series, a little mini-series, between our study on Proverbs, which we finished a couple of weeks ago, and starting 1 Peter, uh, which we're going to begin studying next week. But we're doing this little mini-series, and we're calling it The Healthy Body, uh, where we are looking at several of the New Testament commands to love one another or bear with one another, the, the one another commands in the New Testament. Now, we looked at all of these commands and kind of put together a few big themes that we wanted to look at as a church to do, talk about what does it look like to be a healthy church body in this season. So in week one, Kevin taught us on unity and harmony. We looked at some of the one another's that say love one another, forgive one another, bear with one another. And he taught us primarily from John 17 and Titus 3. And we, we looked at the fact that a healthy body is one that pursues unity and harmony together. Then last week, uh, we talked about love in action. And Kevin taught primarily from John 13. And we, we saw some of the one another's like welcome or serve or submit to one another. And we realized that, that a healthy body needs to use its muscles lest they atrophy. It needs to put into action and, and work out uh, these things that we're called to do and be together. We need to flex our ministry muscles. And for some of us in this season, we've let those kind of rest a little too long. Well, we're wrapping up this week with what I'm calling the encouraging word. And we're going to look at a few of the passages that call us to encourage or exhort or teach or admonish one another with the word. Now, for several years, I was a member of the YMCA before all the gyms got shut down. And I loved going to work out there because it was such an eclectic population of people that used the Y. Uh, on the one hand, you know, I'd go in the middle of the day and sit on my little exercise bike and I'm just kind of tooling around. And, you know, I'd look over here on the, on the elliptical, maybe there's some elderly person just trying to stay active. You know, they're doing their best in their jumpsuit. It's awesome. And then you look over here and there's the young mom taking advantage of the free childcare. She worked out and then showered. And now is like reading a book on the patio before it runs out. And then every once in a while, you know, you turn around and on the treadmill, there's some like meathead, total muscly dude wearing a 50 pound weight vest and a gas mask, just sprinting on the treadmill, you know, getting his, his sweat on. And then you go in the weight room and they're screaming and yelling, like throwing up this huge amount of weight. Uh, it was awesome. Just the different types of people that were there. But what I learned trying to exercise and work out at the YMCA uh, is that I could work out very hard and I could get stronger, but I also needed to pay attention to my intake, my diet, because no matter how much cardio or weightlifting I did, I needed to look at what I was feeding myself if I wanted to be healthy. Well, similarly, a healthy body pays attention to what and how it feeds itself. And that's what we're getting into this morning. That's what we're talking about this morning, how a healthy body gets fed. We have one main point today, this morning. Here it is. A healthy body encourages with the word. Let me say that again. A healthy body encourages with the word. We're going to pull apart just, just two verses, exegete two verses this morning. Hebrews 10, chapter, uh, verses 24 and 25. If you're not there yet, you can turn there now. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. Let me read them for us. It says this. And let us 
Consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let me say that again. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. All right, those are the verses we are going to be looking at this morning. The main point, again, a healthy body encourages with the word. We're going to pull these verses apart with a little journalistic investigation. So we're going to ask five questions. You can get your hand out uh, for these five questions. Who, what, why, when, and how? Okay, who, what, why, when, and how? Let me pray, and then we'll dive in. Father God, would you speak to us now through your word? We want to hear from you. So would you impress these truths upon our hearts and would be shaped into greater Christ-likeness through them? We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right. A healthy body encourages with the word. First question, who? Who are we talking about? Well, verse 24 begins, let us, let us consider how to stir up one another and then further down, encouraging one another. Okay, one another means the who is the body. It's all of us. A healthy body encourages with the word. Now, as we consider the subject of the verse, it's us. We collectively are the ones who are called to encourage one another. Now, I know that seems painfully obvious uh, when we read this verse, but it's easy to fall into a mindset as we approach church life that might say the opposite. Notice what this verse doesn't say. It doesn't say, let the preacher consider how to stir up the rest of us towards love and good deeds. No, the job of feeding a healthy body falls to the healthy body. We all are called to this ministry of encouraging each other with the word. Maybe you remember Ephesians 4. Uh, back in January, Terry Fouché came and taught us from Ephesians 4, and we read that the Lord gave his church apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. See, building up the body is a whole body responsibility. So at the end of that passage in Ephesians 4, it says, speaking the truth in love, there's the encouragement, the whole body builds itself up in love. A healthy body encourages with the word. Are there any baseball fans out there? Uh, right now, because of COVID, Major League Baseball is playing their games to empty stadiums. I don't know if you've seen any of the clips. It's kind of surreal. But except for a few, you know, employees scattered throughout, uh, there's no one there. But there is now a fleet of cardboard cutouts. I don't know if you've seen this. Uh, for a small fee, you can have your likeness pasted onto a cardboard cutout and put into the stands, you know, behind home plate or in the outfield. And there they are, these cardboard cutouts, these lifeless, flat cardboard cutouts of people supposedly watching the action on the field. Now, that is how some of us 
are approaching church life. Rather than seeing it as our job to be out on the field, a part of the action, we are sitting in the stands, watching, lifeless, unaffected, and unspeaking. But church, we are called to be a part of of the team, a part of the action, to do the work of ministry, to love in action, and to encourage one another with the word. A healthy body encourages with the word. Now, maybe you're thinking to yourself, hold on, Eric, isn't that kind of an unfair illustration? I mean, it is COVID-19. We are like sheltered in place. How can we do anything but just kind of watch? Well, certainly, uh, this is a tough season. But all the more, you know, there's a temptation just to watch from home or whatever it is you're doing and to, to put a pause on our church involvement and our church life. But no, church, we are called to this ministry. All the more in this season. Okay, a healthy body encourages with the word. First question, who? It's us. Okay, it's, it's the body, the healthy body. Second question, what? All right, what? Verse 24 says, let us consider how to stir up one another. Verse 25, encouraging one another. There's the what, okay? There are the verbs. Who are we talking about? Well, we're talking about us. What are we to do? We're to encourage with the word. Now, if we combine these two points together, we realize that preaching is not just for pulpits. Let me say that again. Preaching is not just for pulpits. Now, don't get me wrong. I aspire to be a preacher. (laughs) I love preaching. I believe in the preaching ministry of the church. I think it is just amazing that God would choose to, to speak through his word every Sunday as a local church gathers to sit under the word together. And I'm, I'm amazed that God does life-changing things through the preaching ministry of the local church. But preaching doesn't stop there. You know, I hope and pray every time I'm given the opportunity to open the word, that, that God would be pleased to use, you know, whatever comes out to change people's hearts and lives. But I also know that often the most life-changing words that are shared are those that are shared afterwards, as the church speaks to one another about God's word over lunch afterwards, or or on the proverbial patio, or in a community group, or on Zoom. You know, maybe they hear the teaching of the word, and then they get into conversation. Well, what did you hear? Oh, man, I felt like God was speaking to me through this verse. Oh, how did God speak to you? Well, I was really challenged by this aspect of the passage, and on and on and on. See, preaching is not just for pulpits. Paul certainly tells Timothy and other pastor elders to preach in season, out of season, to be ready. But we are all called to preach to each other. It's part of what it means to be the church. So Ephesians 4.15, we are to speak the truth in love to each other. Or 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 11, therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you were doing. A little further down, 1 Thessalonians 5.14, And we urge you, brothers and sisters, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. Colossians 3, verses 16 and 17. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I love that it says in word or deed. 
Last week, we talked about deeds, love in action. And this week, words, encouraging one another with the word. Now, that last passage in Colossians chapter 3 is so key because it gives us a hint to the guiding principle for our encouragement. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you and then teach and admonish. Now, that, that you that the word of Christ dwells in is a plural you, you all. It's the church. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. That happens as we teach and admonish one another with the word. We are to encourage each other according to the word. That is, we want to speak God's truth to one another. We want to build each other up. We want to feed each other with a good diet that flows from God's word. Now, we just finished a whole series on wisdom. And so certainly encouragement can and and should include biblically informed wise counsel that we offer to each other. We don't have to limit ourselves to to just, you know, proof texting or slamming each other with memory verses or, or, you know, quoting scripture in that way. But that said, I do want to urge us this morning to consider how we might do that specifically with the word, with God's word. I want us to ponder how we might Share scripture with one another creatively and frequently so as to encourage one another and build one another up. I don't know about you, but but my thought is that we are probably more prone to never bring up the Bible in conversation than we are to misuse it with one another. Sharing scripture with one another should be a normal part of our shared life together. Now, this can happen in official contexts like community groups or DNA groups or, you know, in fellowship on, on a Sunday or over Zoom. But it certainly should also happen outside of that in everyday communication and contact. So think, think about your own life. Think about yourself. How might you encourage someone else in the body this week with a text message or maybe a phone call, an aptly timed email? Or maybe you want to go old school and send them, you know, a postcard in the mail. How can you pray for them and then share with them scriptures that that might stir them up toward love and good works? I had a friend who was a, a college football player, super large, energetic, enthusiastic guy. And we used to work out together a little bit. And he would tell me stories when he was in high school. He had a younger brother who also was uh, a aspiring athlete and their dad would sit him down at dinner time. All right, boys, eat big, be big. And they would repeat it back, eat big, be big, and then eat, you know, a thousand hamburgers or whatever it was. Well, not to be too cheeky church, but eat Christ, be Christ. That is, we need to feed each other Christ, the gospel, so that we can be like Christ, to grow in Christ-likeness. If we help each other have a steady diet of gospel, we will grow in Christ-likeness. The way that we stir one another up towards love and good works is by speaking the truth in love, by speaking the gospel, God's truth to each other, by feeding each other with the word. We need one another to do this. Kevin Van Hooser uh, wrote a great book on discipleship called Hearing and Doing. And in this book, he writes this. He says, it's one thing to be suspicious of the institutional church, but it's quite another to interact with a vital company of the gospel, a healthy church body, who are ready and able to embody the mind and enact the heart of Christ in new situations. 
It's easy to find fault with the slow, grinding movements of an institution. It's not so easy to be skeptical about communities that speak the truth in love and act out the truth that they speak. A healthy body encourages with the word. All right, question one, who? Well, it's us. What? Well, it's encouraging one another with the word. Preaching is not just for pulpits. Third question, why? Why do we need to do this? Well, to answer this question, we need to see what's implied in our passage. So let's look at it. Let us consider how to stir up one another towards love and good works. Here it is. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. Okay, what's implied there? The habit of some to neglect meeting together is contrasted with encouraging one another. What does this tell us? Well, if mutual encouragement is on one side, not meeting together is seen as somehow cutting that off. It's subtle, but we can be tempted to neglect the healthy body life. We can be tempted to try to go at it alone. We can think either that we, we don't need each other, or maybe we're afraid to join in or whatever it may be, but we can think that we don't need the body to encourage us, to stir us up. And if we buy into that kind of pride, we will miss out on the healthy life to which we were called. There's a parallel passage in chapter 3 of Hebrews. And there we read Hebrews 3.13. It gives us a slightly different angle. It says this. It says, Exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Now, both passages, the kind of parallel passages, in context, both of them are, are set in this call to faith. We're called to believe in light of the coming judgment of Christ. Okay, Because Christ is coming again, it's like, press on in the faith, do it. And in the middle of these two calls are these encouragement, or this, this um, calling to encourage or exhort one another to this faith, to press on in the faith. Now, where in our passage, it's the temptation to isolation, maybe because of pride or fear. In chapter three, it's the deceitfulness of sin, which can harden our hearts that demands this exhortation. Do you see it? Sin will lie to us. And so we need to speak truth to one another. And pride will isolate us. So we need each other to speak the truth. Okay, let's leave it there. A healthy body encourages with the word. Who? It's us. What? It's encouraging each other. Why? Because sin is deceitful and we're tempted to think we don't need each other. Fourth question, when? When? And the answer is today. Today. Hebrews 10.25 says, Encourage one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Okay, there's urgency there. You got to do it more and more as the day approaches. 3.13, which we just looked at, says, exhort one another every day as long as it is called today. When do we do this? Today. Do it today. Not just Sundays, but today. Every day is today. Tomorrow when you get there will be today. Do it today. Now notice this. Some might read our passage, verse 25 in chapter 10, and they focus in on that meeting together phrase. And so they may be tempted to answer the question of when by saying, well, it's, it's when we meet together. That's when we do this. And that's true. But meeting together doesn't just mean on Sundays. I mean, think with me about how communication happened in the first century. Okay, The primary way to encourage one another was in person, person-to-person -person contact. I mean, 
you could send a letter or you could maybe send a messenger, but both of those were reserved for the privileged. They costed money that a lot of people didn't have. But if you get together, if the church is, is gathering and, and meeting together, either in big groups or small groups, well then, you, encouragement can take place. You can encourage one another. As we think about our own context, this doesn't mean that we only do this on Sundays. You know, we meet together in community groups. We meet together in, in DNA groups. We meet together when we maybe have a socially distanced lunch in the park or go get coffee with a brother or sister to talk about life. And we can meet together through other forms of communication that weren't possible back then. See, in our passage, more striking than the location is the urgency communicated in both chapter 10 and chapter 3. The urgency. We need to encourage one another and feel the sense of, and all the more, as you see the day drawing near. Okay, what, what is the day that he's talking about? You'll notice if, if you have your Bible in front of you that the day is capitalized in, the, in your English Bible. It's the day of Christ's return, his second coming, when he will come to judge the living and the dead. Now, the, the certainty of Christ's future judgment should stoke in us a sense of urgency to encourage and exhort one another to faith today, while it is still called today. So that urgency means that we need to, we need to think, how? How can we encourage proactively and not just reactively? I love that it says, let us consider how to stir up because the day is approaching. You know, the urgency should lead to consideration, to intentionality and proactive encouragement. Don't wait for people to come to you with their needs. Don't wait for people to come to you with, with ways that maybe they're discouraged or they're despairing. We cannot sit back and, and wait for people to come to us before we encourage. No, we need to seek them out. We need to get to know them that we might learn where they may need encouragement and then do it. Do it while it is still called today. Again, the urgency should breed proactive intentionality. We cannot sit back like lifeless cardboard cutouts. Okay, we can't wait for shelter in place to be lifted. We can't wait for the nebulous vaccine to arrive. No, we need to be creative. Let us consider how to do this ministry in this context of 2020. A few weeks ago during our, our staff meeting, Kevin stopped us and he said, okay, I, I just want to ask, like, what would it look like for a believer, for a follower of Jesus to thrive or to flourish right now in their faith? What would it look like for their, you know, their faith, their discipleship just to, just to be alive and well right now in the summer of 2020? And so we stopped and we paused and we thought about that and we, we dreamed a little bit and talked about, okay, what would it look like for a believer to experience this right now? It's a worthy question. I encourage you to think about it for your own life. But I want to broaden it out to the church. What does a healthy body look like right now? In this context, in the summer of 2020, what would it look like as a, as a whole church, as a church body, not just to survive, not just to get by, not just to endure through this, but what would it look like for a church community, our life, our community life together to thrive, 
to flourish today. See, that's what we've been talking about the last three weeks. That's the vision that we want to be cultivating and dreaming about and pressing into together. Let us encourage one another and all the more as the day is drawing near. Okay, a healthy body encourages with the word. Who? Us. What? Encourage. Why? Because of sin? Because of isolation? When? Today. Do it today. There's urgency. Last question, how? How do we do this? This ministry of encouragement, pursuing a healthy body, is not something we can do in our own strength. We need Christ at work within us. So we don't just need to preach the gospel to each other. We need to receive the gospel from each other. If we want to speak it, we need to get it into us. Now, we get this from our passage, from the word, well, from the phrase, the day. The day is drawing near. Judgment is at hand. Now notice, for those in Christ, we have a unique posture towards the future. As we look at the future, we do have a sense of urgency, but not anxiety or worry. We have nothing to fear, even as we work hard feeling pressed for time. Now, if we're not in Christ... Well, then coming judgment, it means guilt because of our past. It means shame because of our present sinfulness. And it means fear or worry because of our eternal future, or it should. But those in Christ have nothing to fear. Christ has paid it all. Our past forgiven, our present shame covered, our future secured. The gospel is so key for our ministry and church life. Our ministry to one another cannot flow from a desire to make up for the past. It can't flow from a desire to, to make ourselves look good in the present. And it cannot flow from a desire to earn something for the future. Our work of encouraging with the word must come from a settled confidence in what Christ has done for us, past, present, and future. If we want to love others, we need to know and get it in us that Christ first loved us. And if we want to encourage, well, we need to be encouraged by Christ first. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If we want to share the word of Christ with others, we need to have it dwelling in us. We need to meditate on Christ, his word, and let the Holy Spirit work its truth into us. See, we will praise what we cherish. Let's cherish Christ and praise him to others. And this need for the gospel is true for our whole study on the healthy body. Unless we understand the gospel of what God has done for us in Christ, well then pursuing church life, pursuing a healthy body will be a burden we cannot bear. Because this vision of church life we've seen these last few weeks, it, it's beautiful. It's like a, a perfect friendship or marriage. You know, everyone is, is serving everyone else without worry about getting, you know, their own needs met because they know if everyone is seeking to serve the other, well, then everyone's needs will get met. However, if you are anything like me, well, eventually our, our selfishness 
our pride creep up. We begin to have those kind of sideways glances and we start comparing to others. We start evaluating, well, hold on. Am I getting served to the same degree that I'm serving others? I'm pouring out? And once that happens, the whole thing, the whole system breaks down. And let me just say that it will always break down unless in our church, just as in our relationships, we base our love for one another, not on what we receive from others, but what we have received through Christ in the gospel. We must constantly hold out what Christ has done for us, how he is the only one who truly meets our needs. Otherwise, we will inevitably get tired, fed up, and wallow in our selfish meism. We'll burn out on church life. So let me say it again. Unless we understand the gospel of what God has done for us in Christ, the work of church life will be a burden we cannot bear. But if we get the gospel deep into our hearts and our minds, well, then it will flow out equipping us to pursue unity and harmony, to pursue love in action, and to encourage each other with the word. A healthy body encourages with the word. Let me pray. Christ, we want to be your body, with you as head. We want to grow up into the fullness of the stature of Christ. We want to be you in this world. And so help us be a thriving church body. Help us to be a healthy body right now in the summer of, of 2020 as we approach the fall. Would we pursue unity and harmony? Would we pursue love in action? Would we pursue encouraging each other with the word? Christ, we need you for this work. We know that we cannot do it unless we internalize, we, we feed on all that you have done for us. So impress that upon our hearts so that we might love and encourage one another in the days and weeks and months ahead. Pray these things in your name. Amen.